Hey there, this is Kat Stancic, the lead boss with the Revenue Accelerator podcast with my guest, Dr. Ron Stotts. I'm actually really excited about today's recording because we're going to talk about something that I love um, that I don't get to like dig into. And I feel like there's a pun there very often, which is all about your mind and the power of it and what it can do for you. So Dr. Ron Stotts is a transformational guide, three-time bestselling author, not too bad, international best, uh, international speaker, PhD in psychology and doctor of chiropractic. So a legit doctor. Uh, He also guides business leaders and entrepreneurs on transformational journeys to tap into their big mind, which we're going to get into and create the inspiring life they were meant to live. So tell me a little bit more about like that concept of truly actually living the inspired life that you're wanting to, because there's a lot of dissonance in life right now in terms of people having an intention and actually living it. So what's the deal with that? What I find is people, you know, they, they make it through their childhood and out of their family of origin, uh, surviving as best they can generally. And, uh, and they really develop certain levels of skills, uh, not recognizing that oftentimes those skills are, limited by earlier aspects of their life, just Mm -hmm. subconscious limitations and things that hold them back that they're perhaps aware of, perhaps not aware of at all. And, uh, and it's fun to watch them because I, they begin, you know, in my work, they begin to see how much of their energy they're using just to maintain and hold their emotional backlog in. So it's, it's, it's great for them to see how much they can accomplish with just the little that they've accessed so far. And when they, when they begin to recognize, oh, okay, I, I really have done a great job, but only using a little bit of, bit of who and what I've got available, I'm then introducing them that and letting them, showing them how to access those parts of themselves mm. just immediately empowers them to transform their life, their organization, uh, you know, their family, every, every aspect of their life shifts. And, And, uh, you know, my whole thing is understand that you're evolving, that, yes, you've experienced this shift, but next time you feel like you're not enough, go deep within and access more of yourself because you're always more than enough. Amen to that. And especially when you're too much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, I, I get that as an entrepreneur. Now I remember coming from the corporate space where, you know, personal development air quotes here, if you're not watching the video, um, wasn't something that you did. It wasn't something that was actually really encouraged. I mean, we had concepts of, you know, coaches at the executive level. So how, how does this manifest in one's life in terms of not really fully tapping into their potential, especially if they're coming or living still in that corporate space? It is challenging even today. I mean, back in the 80s, when I helped AT&T move from a, a monopoly to a for-profit organization, they were so excited about what we had developed for them. I was executive VP of a corporation called Inner Game, Inner Game of Tennis and Skiing were books very popular back then. But uh, as excited as they were by the initial programs that we developed for them, they wanted to water them down so much Mm. because they felt more comfortable with the watered down version. It just, I'd be honest with you, I lost interest. I just didn't even want to go further with that. And so I went back into my private practice. But uh, today, 
we're really in a transformational time. And I know people say that a lot. And having been around long enough, I kind of like, yeah, right. <laughs> but we really truly are. I'm watching, you know, just all of the aspects of society that are saying, pay attention. I'm part of this society. I want to input into the society, whether it's the women's movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, all of the other than white old old white guy <laughs> movement. <laughs> you know, I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm not sure where they ever got the arrogance that they thought they were right, because unless we're working together, it's just impossible to really bring out the best of us. Mm. And so they're beginning, and you know, there's 50, 60 years of research now that shows that really it's the more conscious leader, the one that brings in more collaboration and cooperation that really is focused on bringing out the best in everybody who's mm-hmm. more successful. And they are literally making at least 40 to certainly well above that percent more pro- uh, productivity and profit. And so if you want to make more money, be more conscious. So, <laughs> right. Which is like, if you want to be a better person, be a better person. Right. But then mm-hmm. there's people like me who are very action oriented. And so my question is always mm-hmm. going to be, I do love that. I love the, you know, if you want to do good, be, you know, be good. If you want to be a more successful leader, be conscious. So how does one, other than, you know, writing down everything you do, that's not consciousness. So how do you be conscious, um, especially when it comes to leadership and with that same drive of, we're not just sitting on top of the mountain and and meditating all day long. There is a corporate ROI, productivity, you know, revenue, profit margin focus. Right. That is really consciousness, just so everybody understands on the same page, really begins with self-awareness, self-awareness of what you're thinking, what you're feeling emotionally and physically, and the level of consciousness you're playing on. Really being aware of that at any given point in time, the degree of your awareness determines and and really reflects your level of consciousness. Mm. Of course, as you become more and more self-aware, more and more conscious, you become not only aware of self, but others. And you become aware of what they're feeling, what they're thinking. You you become more compassionate, empathetic, um, more supportive, connected, because that deeper connection you have within yourself, of course, gets reflected in your relationships with others. And that really goes across the board. And, you know, that awareness just continues to expand into consciousness. You know, a highest, the higher level leaders are going to be not only concerned about themselves and their organization, but the people they buy from, sell to, uh, their relationship with the planet, all aspects of their existence are really part of their consciousness. And, and so they... You know, to gain that consciousness, they have to begin doing something that many people find challenging is that they have to go back into the childhood and see mm. what belief systems, what uh, experiences they weren't able to uh, process, for example. A child, you know, client yesterday, literally, um, you know, just didn't realize. He thought he had great parents and they, they were great people. They did the best they could. But they were very emotionally, you know, void. <laughs> void. Yeah. And so he grew Low up. emotional IQ. Yep. <laughs> he grew up with a very deep belief that to be a man, he needed to control his feelings, to survive in society. He needed to stay shut down and 
and toughen up, you know. And uh, and that belief system did work for him. I mean, he's you know got a ton of money. He's got a big ranch. He's got two kids. He's got all these things. But he came to me realizing that he's kind of hit the ceiling, mm. uh, both in his personal relationships with his kids and his wife, but also in his relationship to work and relationship to other people, you know, in the job. And so as he begins to see how disconnected he is with himself, it doesn't surprise him at all, the levels of disconnection that he sees in uh, both the social and professional areas. And so, you know, just, I mean, just, it only takes a couple of months to move into and through that stuff. You know, granted, it might go on after that, but the, the core really shifts uh, as you, you know, you know, just take a little tangent. You know, you walk, watch little kids, you know, a newborn baby. They're completely helpless. They can't even turn over. You know, you, you watch a, a horse being born and within an hour, the thing is running all over the, <laughs> the field. As, as a child, we're completely helpless. And our only really ability is to connect with a mom or a parent or a caretaker of some sort. And we rely on that connection. We look outside of ourselves and depend on that connection to help modulate all our needs and take care of us in so many ways. And that's perfect. But the problem is, as we get into our teens, as we get into our 20s, we're still looking outside of ourselves for that acceptance and love, for that, that feedback as to who we should be, how we should feel, what we should feel, all of those aspects of ourselves. And and that's just a way of giving up our power. That's a way of never knowing who and what we truly are. Well, isn't that society, though? That's what society has taught us to do is to, to have this level of conformity, to be a cog in the wheel, because that's what contributing mem- you know, members would do as being you know, peons of the system, if you will. Yeah, but it doesn't work. <laughs> well, it we- works if that's what you want to be, but I don't know too many people whose aspiration is, you know... <laughs> Yeah, it, it doesn't work any longer. Yeah. And I mean, if we look at our different systems, the prison system, the educational system, the health system, it just doesn't matter what system you look at, they're absolutely failing. Mm-hmm. And they're failing because of lack of leadership. And we don't have the leaders because people don't know who they are. They're mm-hmm. so disconnected within themselves, and that just radiates out into our society. So as they become more connected, as they begin to understand and feel their past, what I watch them do is change that old program for getting love, looking outside of themselves, to looking within. And it's that inner journey that just completely begins the transformation of their life. Because then it's about, you know, yeah, serving and supporting. and Absolutely. Well, I, I do so appreciate because I know that a lot of your clients kind of have achieved a certain level of success and some of it has been through pushing and hustle and grind and just, you know, the late hours. And it's a very common theme when it comes to that corporate space of, you know, holidays are just a reason to work on a proposal, right? It's not really something for you to enjoy. It's another reason for the company to be able to bill unbillable hours and get you doing work. (laughs) So looking and taking that experience of what we see as that's the expectation to really reclaiming the power, um, you know, because nothing's going to change if nothing changes. And oftentimes I don't think people look within themselves as the person or thing that needs to change 
versus trying to control, command, and overpower other people. So to create a uh, experience that would enable you oneself, if you will, to elevate. So why, I mean, it makes sense. It's, it's known to a certain community of people, but why doesn't society embrace this and teach it as part of a, a mechanism for success and, and, you know, to create community? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And boy, uh, you'd be a marketing genius if you can answer that <laughs> <very> well. <laughs> you know, the truth is that's what I'm doing is that is my message. It's, it's time to change. The old style just isn't working. Now, trying harder and using your old tools that have gotten you to where you've gotten to, you know, it, it just doesn't work. It just breaks us down. You know, we yeah. end up with heart attacks in our 50s and dementia in our 60s and 70s due to the disconnection. And, and, and there's a sense of, you know, I had a client last year, he came to me, it was just COVID was going on and you know, he has like five, nine figure businesses. So big player. And he was, you know, he'd lost the love of his life. He looked like his, you know, he had hotels and other things. It looked like everything was going to just go down the drain. And uh, what I watched is, as he shifted from this place of trying and efforting, I mean, he was a bulldog. He, he really, you know, my way or the highway kind of leadership. And as he healed, as he fell in love with himself, as he began to be more understanding and compassionate, I watched him literally within months begin to restructure his organizations. Hmm. Not only his organization were being restructured, but his leadership style was shifting to one where he was much more supportive of others and uh, getting much more, much more interested in input, much more hmm. interested in acknowledgement and empathy and compassion. And, and it was just really marvelous to watch the humanity come out as it developed within himself towards himself. And, uh, and you're right. It was difficult. Oftentimes I watch them, they'll even have a belief system that I'll subtly <laughs> introduce them to. <laughs> it's all about, well, if I love myself, then I won't try harder. Mm-hmm. If I love myself, I'll, I'll fail. I have to push myself. I have to be hard on myself. And it's like, and of course, that transfers over to employees and others in their life, even their own kids. Yeah. And once they realize that that misdirection, that error, they really step back and go, oh, yeah, if I want the best of, of for my kids, if I want the best for and of my employees, I really need to bring the best of who I am. And I need mm-hmm. to let be supportive, you know, and, and kind. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, I think there's, I've seen it at every stage of my own professional development, my own entrepreneurial development, if you will. Mm-hmm. But these reactive experiences where something happens, you know, the, hey, could you have a second for a conversation? And you're like, oh my God, I'm gonna get fired. Or, hey, mm-hmm. I really need you to do this. Oh my, I need to work this many more hours to make up for whatever it is. Whatever that reactive story activates that small child within us. And I always find that that child is eight years old. So, so <laughs> That's as good say, age as any. Right? <laughs> trauma age. Um, so that eight-year-old child. So why do you think a lot of people allow that to happen as often as they do? Basically, why do they resist doing the internal work when it's there's so much evidence that doing it really produces such amazing results, not only for yourself and your own life, but for the people that are connected to you. 
I think they feel like there's something wrong with them. Mm. And they don't like to acknowledge that, especially in a corporate or a high level. Um, you know, it's not like it's the topic at the boardroom table. You know? No, it's not. Uh, it, it is away from it, especially today more than ever. But, yeah, yeah the, and, you know, I'm involved with a documentary and they, we keep talking about trauma and kids don't know they had trauma for the most part. They just were living their life. I mean, I know when I ran into my issues, you know, childhood issues and that sort of thing, complete surprise to me. I thought I had the best parents in the world and they were great parents. They really were. They did the best they could. But when you look at where they came from and the difficulties that they were bringing, that all of a sudden allowed me to wake up to, oh, well, yes, they did the best they could, but that doesn't mean that I didn't want more. And in my wanting, you know, I, I've asked a question all over the world, literally. And the question is, what does a child want more than anything else? And the answer is always love. Yeah. And then I follow that with, well, do they want a con- they want conditional love or unconditional love? Everybody seems to know the unconditional is preferable. So you've got this infant, this child, who wants unconditional love more than anything else. So what they're looking about, they'll do anything to get it. And they'll really look at their family of origin, the society, and they go, okay, who do I need to be? What do I need to do? What do I need to do with these particular emotions or those? And they, and they shove those things down inside. Mm. And they become that person that society, the family of origin, has really dictated they become to be acceptable and loved. Now, no, they didn't get the unconditional love they got, but they got enough to survive. You know, so, you know, the opportunity is when they find themselves running up against something to really use that as an indicator that there's something ready to heal. Mm. And when you look deeper and you find that part that's ready to be healed, you also discover that that's the very part that will release what you need to take your steps forward in life. And so it's, it's quite perfect, but it is time and we desperately as a society and as a planet need to bring that into our full awareness and make yeah. that not only acceptable, but something that... Uh, Something that's a gift. I mean, we're so well designed and so perfectly designed to, you know, any, I mean, if you understand that every time you're bumping up against something, Mm. that that's an indicator, that's an opportunity to see what's ready to be healed. Mm. And then when you begin to trust that in that healing process, you're accessing more of yourself, the parts you need, that really, you begin to recognize that the universe is quite perfect. It's perfectly designed to support you in opening up your heart and living your life as fully and and wonderfully as you can. Yeah. And however you start the conversation, whether it's through driving for more career success or, you know, revenue, whatever that is, performance, team performance, at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, from everything that you've been explaining, it's, you know, one of the most selfless things you can do is to work on yourself because in working on yourself, you're actually giving back to the community of people that you're a part of, whether it's at work or at home. Um, and it's actually, you know, one of the biggest acts of love, I guess, that you can do is to really give yourself that time and space to step into your potential um, instead of trying to force it. And there is a, I think there's a lot of overachievers and high achievers who, you know, they're they're so hardwired for 
Um, especially I think, you know, from, from past experiences, I think there's a lot of overachievers they're, they're dealing with trauma. And so they're overcompensating in order to move away from it, but actually are ending up moving closer to it. Um, but any event, um, you know, really actually being able to achieve success without the struggle, without the battle, without the armor. Um, but there's something really vulnerable about that, which in turn can trigger the, this isn't safe, um, which you were talking about at the beginning. Yeah, that vulnerability is is crucial, but vulnerability requires trust mm. and requires trust in yourself, trust in circumstances for healing. I mean, that's that's what I, of course, the main thing that I try and create is a safe, supportive, trusting environment uh, where they feel like, okay, now I can look at things that I never even knew about or acknowledged in my life and begin to... Uh, feel safe in, in healing those so that I can really become uh, a more authentic human being, you know, more empowered. Power to me means you're, you've opened up your heart, but, you know, so coming into your power means you're opening up your heart. You can see it any way you want, but it's really one and the same. Yeah. So we kind of hit on it, danced around it, um, but we didn't actually name it in terms of the brain's subconscious versus conscious activity. Um, You know, people understand subconscious, people understand consciousness, but there's this ability to drive from the subconscious to the conscious. Like, how do you do that? Um, You know, I guess faster, because that's one of the things I know you do is you help people achieve results faster. You could do this work on your own, the likelihood of you succeeding is slim to none. Um, but then the only way it does work is working with someone like you who has this authority and specialization who can just pinpoint the question, the whatever that thing is to be able to move you forward. So how do you get into your conscious mind versus this reactive subconscious state of being? You become more conscious. Uh- <laughs> Pause for impact. <laughs> it really starts... You know, what the, across the board, what I watch is people come in uh, and they're not breathing. They literally mm-hmm. are not breathing. Most this is everybody's day. reminder to go ahead and take a deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> they're breathing very, very shallowly right. or they're, there's times when they quit breathing altogether. Mm-hmm. And as you become aware of that, uh, they begin to sense that, oh, whenever I'm not feeling comfortable, whenever I'm feeling something emotional, whenever I'm up, you know, I run to my head and I go into my trying and efforting mode and and disconnect from who I truly am. And so getting them to breathe is the first step. And then using different techniques to get them to really step down into becoming more aware. And the interesting part, more directly in answering your question, is the brain, you know, is co-director of the Brain Integration Center back in the 70s, I'd watch people come in and there'd be the husband, maybe he was a, you know, a very left-brain logical, uh, individually oriented person, you know, an engineer, for example, would fit into that category. The wife would come in and she'd have this very floral dress on and she'd have her hair all, you know, kind of interestingly done and she was much more socially oriented. So she was a much more... Uh, midbrain, right brain person. And so in other words, I started recognizing people have brain specializations. And the work we were doing back then was, all right, that's great. But how do you become a whole brain integrated Mm. thinking person? And the transformation of 
of their lives, whether it was a student in school or a business person or relationships and you know, marriage or that type of thing, was incredible because all of a sudden they weren't looking for others to complete them. They were complete within themselves. So they were complementary rather than com competing or you know looking for something and disappointed if they weren't getting it from something, somebody else. And so my work has just continued. It's like, okay, I know how to get it, create a integrated whole brain thinking. And then I know how to quiet the mind. I was a meditation teacher for years. <laughs> so I know how to quiet the mind. And it turns out as the mind quiets, the amygdala, which is the emotional center, begins to release control to the mm -hmm. forebrain. And the forebrain begins to blossom. And as the forebrain blossoms, the chemical gates, think in terms of you've got your primal brain, uh, which is really kind of the top of the spinal cord. And then you've got your midbrain with the amygdala, which is the emotional center. And then you've got your higher level thinking cortex. And so what's really happening is as you quiet your mind, as it becomes more integrated and all the different parts are trusting and working together, that forebrain takes over and it has a much big, bigger sense of how to take care of us as an individual, how we can take care of our society so that mm -hmm. as an individual we are doing better. And with that bigger picture, it really it becomes you know the CEO of our life, if you will. The amygdala, you know, with more of an overly reactive emotional center that creates a lot of drama in our life. So, you know, that that shift just in terms of how we're using our brain mm -hmm. really uh, significantly increases your act your well, your brain activity, your brain waves have shifted, but you're also people do I mean, I see it and hear it all the time. I feel smarter. Mm. And they are. They are smart. Trust me, the folks that are coming in here are pretty smart. <laughs> so, but in acknowledging that they're smarter, what they're recognizing is that they're accessing their brain. They're using their brain mm. more fully and with more ease, less effort. Yeah. And, um, and of course, then the next stage is what you referred to earlier, is that big mind phase. Because as you have all, whole integrated brain thinking, the forebrain takes over, so you have really this receiver is now tuned and functional and able to access information much more fully. Uh, then as it gets quieter still, as you work in areas of mindfulness and personal development that allow for meditation, and you get quieter and quieter, and fairly soon you begin to really be able to access what I call big mind, which is a, mm. just a, a greater range of, of ability to uh, to reach information you know it's, uh, yeah. and what does intuition so you know kind of when I've seen woo people explain things there's the the ego right that lives mm -hmm. promptly on your brain and then intuition that seems to live in your gut I kind of feel like you're going to tell me that intuition is actually part of a brain activity um, kind of hoping you're going to say that but where does intuition play with all this as soon as you start that integrative whole brain thinking, your imagination, your access to your imagination, creativity and intuition exponentially grow. Mm. Intuition quite literally takes place right here. It is and it part goes of the brain. <laughs> <laughs> so quite literally, there's a connection. And it's not that you aren't intuitive. 
Yeah. And set your mind so noisy that you don't hear that. And so those signals are being sent all the time. You'll get this bit of information, that bit of information. Your intuition goes, oh, we can put those together and come up with this. Right. And, and it does that all the time. Yeah. Except for, again, with that monkey mind, that noisy mind, you aren't able to hear it. And so, you know, you... you well, you can't be created from it. a reactive state, right? It's, it's just impossible. So if you're operating from that reactivity, being the chicken little of your company... Um, then there's no way you can be the leader because you need to have forethought and vision, right? In order to be able to do that. And you can't create that if you're not in a creative mode. Um, What's a quick tip, if you will, to help people do just that? How do you go from this, you know, flight or flight, freeze, whatever, there's like five of them. Um, (laughs) Flop, I think was one that I saw once. Um, how do, how can you go quickly from that state to this more intuitive, insightful, visionary, creative state? Simply by taking a moment, you know, mentally stepping back and taking a couple of gentle, deep breaths, all of a sudden in doing that, you become more present Mm. and you become more present, let yourself become curious. Mm. And from that more present, curious place, more mindful place, if you will, you look at what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what's really going on in the circumstances that you're that you're dealing with. And from that more present, conscious, aware place, you're going to see what your best next step is, what your best option is. And then you're going to take that option. Now, that might sound like you have to kind of stop your life and re-engage and that type of thing and then initially that's probably true but as you do that it becomes a habit you automatically are breathing you automatically are being curious you're automatically seeing uh, your your right brain has this really wonderful big picture perspective your left brain sees the optimal path to reach those highest mm. so those parts are always engaged and so you know you don't really have to step out of your life, that's a part of your life. Mm. And you always know what the best next step is because you're always breathing and staying in place of curiosity. And that's called living mindfully. Mm. <laughs> a skill set. It's not just a, a, it's a thing that can be learned and, and just like everything else can be mastered as part of mm. practicing and employing it part of your daily activity. I know mm. that I've seen a lot of changes in my life and my business just by, you know, kind of start doing more of that mindfulness, those mindfulness activities, meditation, journaling, all of that gratitude, appreciation. Um, I know you have some more tools uh, for people to actually be able to leverage in order to really tap into this next potential of themselves. Um, how can people get in touch with you and find out about those? I think the best way is just my website. Go to ronstotts.com. And right there on the homepage, there's, uh, you'll see nine insightful questions. And I really would support anyone in downloading those um, because those are going to have you begin that looking inward journey. Mm. And they're going to have you take a look at what's your biggest challenge, what's your biggest dream. And in that, begin to also uh, look at, well, what's, what's that gap in between? What's what is really going to be holding you back and what do you need to move forward? And that is a very empowering experience to, to really answer those questions and come to that, 
you know, level of self-awareness and understanding. So that's free. So just yes. yeah, recommend Brilliant. It. That will definitely be in the show notes for all of you listening and wanting to take advantage of that. So and just ronstotts.com, go on the website. Um, how any, any parting words, um, last mic drop nugget that you want to share with everyone listening today? It's really, and it's what you were talking about. It's really finding perhaps it's courage, perhaps it's self-acceptance and love, but finding and recognizing that it's that inner journey. Mm. Everybody's the biggest problem I see in leadership and in life is people are looking outside of themselves for what can only be found within. Mm. And so to breathe and begin that inner journey, to look within and get to know yourself, uh, you know, that's, that's just a stage, a step of kindness that, that you're so worthy of. And I really support you in, in loving yourself that much so that you can learn to love yourself really unconditionally. I love that. You're so worthy. Um, it's just, I just have a little bit of a hug for that one. <laughs> Ron, thank you so much for joining us today. Everyone, make sure you check out that freebie um, and look forward to checking those out myself and seeing what those nine questions might provide me in terms of insight as well. Yeah, good. Well, thank you. And thank, thank everybody for listening. Appreciate it.